I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Katie, are you ready for some football? I am so ready, but more ready for halftime of a certain football game. (laughs) Yeah, there's that, too. There's the halftime thing, too. I mean, really, we're here all about the football talk, not about the halftime performance. Who cares about that? Really, we all tune out and watch the Puppy Bowl instead. Oh, I actually love the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> you have dual screens watching the halftime show and the Puppy Bowl? They always they usually do a replay. So like after the Super Bowl, I tune to Animal Planet so I can see part of it. <laughs> a replay. Gotta yes. love it. Yes. Um, as you can imagine, uh, we're probably talking about the Super Bowl this week. Uh, because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop. Sometimes the halftime spectacular on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. And we have one of those folks from the world of pop today. Ooh. Today on the show, we've got chart news about why Morgan Wallen staying at number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart for a third week is actually pretty monumental and... How Dua Lipa's Levitating, featuring DaBaby, hits a new high on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart. Plus, we have a very special guest. We are chatting with our colleague, Katie Bain, who is Billboard's dance director. Katie just interviewed The Weeknd and his management team for the latest Billboard magazine cover story. So, we bothered her all about what she learned about Sunday's Super Bowl halftime show, starring The Weeknd, of course, and much more. So, stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, so let's do the chart chat. First up, Morgan Wallen's Dangerous, the double album, stays put at number one on the Billboard 200 for a third straight week, becoming the first country album to spend three weeks atop the list in eight years. The set earned 130,000 equivalent album units in the United States in the week ending January 28th, according to MRC data, and that's down 18% compared to its and second And yeah, it, it is still a lot. <laughs> like... It's still a lot. It also helps, again, we talked about this last week, there's 30 songs on the album, and he's a streaming juggernaut in terms of country, so... Yeah, but you don't have to look too far back in the last like month and a half, two months for number one albums that were in their first week that got less than his third week got. So it's just wild. Yeah, okay. Just saying. Fine. <laughs> um, well, the last album to score three weeks at number one that also appeared on the Top Country Albums chart was Taylor Swift's Red, which tallied seven non-consecutive weeks in the pole position between the charts dated November 10th, 2012 and January 12th, 2013. Red, like Dangerous, also spent its first three weeks at number one, uh, uh, November 10th through November 24th of 2012. So what you're saying is Morgan Wallen is the new Taylor Swift. I mean, 
I mean, I he, mean he's just he's just maybe he's just moving along a lot at a faster clip. I mean, this album does have 30 songs, which is like three Taylor albums back in the day. <laughs> yes, and of course, uh, Red is considered Taylor's final country album to so this far. point, at least. Um, as her next set was, of course, 1989, which was her first pop album, her own self-proclaimed pop album. Red had a lot of pop elements as well, but uh, was still was still considered a country album. Yeah, Red was still half country. You yep. know, like I was listening to the title track the other night. I'm like, yep, country song. Yeah, that is indeed a country song. I knew you were trouble. Not really. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> Dubstep um, Taylor. <laughs> she she uh, she saved everyone the drama of trying to figure out if 1989 was a country album by literally like one of the first things she said at that press conference was, "This is my first pop album." We're like, yep. huh. You made it easy for us, Taylor. Um, well, next on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license is a non-mover at number one for a third week in a row. You might say that she's uh, parked Idling. There. Idling. She's... That's better. That's better. Uh, while it also zooms 20 to 10 on the top 40 airplay chart in just its third week on the list. That's the fastest a song has reached the top 10 in over a year and a half since Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber's I Don't Care also took just three weeks to get to the top 10. Lastly, friend of the podcast Dua Lipa jumps 6 to 5 on the Hot 100 with Levitating featuring DaBaby, becoming her second highest charting hit ever and her second top 5 hit. Dua's only gone higher with Don't Start Now, which reached number 2 in March of 2020, and until this week, Levitating was tied with New Rules as her second highest charting song because New Rules also reached number six. And now that Levitating is number five. Yes, it all makes sense. Got it. <laughs> uh, also in the top 10 on the Hot 100 this week, The weekend's former number one, Blinding Lights, rises four to three on the chart, spending its 60th week on the tally. Uh, Katie... Want to place some bets on if we think the single could go back to number one after he presumably performs it this Sunday during the Super Bowl halftime show? Or maybe he might be in some competition with Cardi B's new single, Up, which drops on Friday, February 5th? Mm. Oh, my gosh. I feel like, well, and then there's just the seemingly unstoppable driver's license in the mix, too. Yeah. So there's a lot. Um, Did WAP debut at number one? It did. Yeah, I mean, but obviously, who knows? Maybe Up stands for something similarly. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, you know, scintillating. Um, <laughs> mm. I'll let you take your guesses on that. But um, uh, I don't know. I, I think that uh, Blinding Lights had such a huge run that, uh, you know, this would be definitely a big push, but so many people would have already, like, you know, bought the digital single like this would just be off of like streaming radio play etc right like or maybe my mom starts buying the weekend on sunday who knows or I don't maybe, know. maybe your mom buys his new highlights album that comes out this weekend there which, you go uh, has many of his greatest hits <laughs> or maybe she buys the new cardi single <laughs> that seems unlikely turns out up actually stands for like you know ultraviolet process it's a very scientific song from cardi I would like to say it is capital, so it's possible it could be an acronym. <laughs> Just saying. I don't know. Um, okay, you mentioned the weekend, his Super Bowl performance, which is, of course, on Sunday, um, February 7th. It's at 630 uh, Eastern. And uh, a few other performers will be in the mix as well. We have Eric Church and Jasmine Sullivan 
performing the national anthem together. We have together. Her. Wow, I yeah. didn't know that. Mm-hmm. We have her doing America the Beautiful. Uh, and then, of course, the weekend will take over the coveted halftime spot. Also, the poet from the inauguration is doing something, right? I saw that she is, yeah, which is awesome. Please, yeah. more poetry in America. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we actually asked our coworker, Katie Bain, uh, who is the dance director, and the weekend has made his fair share of EDM tinged music over his career. So she was a good fit for talking to him and his management team for Billboard's latest cover story, all about how they kind of created this pop star out of the weekend. And obviously there's no bigger sign of them creating that pop star than him landing the Super Bowl halftime. Um, so we talked to her all about the details about the Super Bowl halftime performance, anything that she gleaned from their interview, including maybe what he could perform, how long they've been planning, and who could even join him, which, you know, we made some hopeful guesses. We'll see. Um, so check out our chat with Katie Bain now. Welcome to the Pop Shop Podcast, Katie Bain. Thank you very much. <laughs> is this your first time on the Pop Shop Podcast? This is my debut. I oh my gosh. I'm excited. <laughs> um, for our listeners, uh, typically Keith and Katie and I shared an office when offices were a thing that people went to. Um, and uh, we have her on the show today because she just did the uh, cover story for our latest issue of Billboard with The Weeknd and his team of just amazing manager uh slash like i don't even know you have to see the cover if you haven't seen the cover yet please go look at the photo right now there's obviously cigars there's pinstripe suits there's there's a lot of jewelry (laughs) and katie got to spend time with all these guys so um first of all before we drill down on the super bowl which is what we're going to talk about today i i just want to know like what was it like to be uh in the mix of this like high-powered Canadian crew. Wow. It was <laughs> strange. Well, not strange. It was it was interesting on two levels. It was the first in-person interview I had done in probably nine or ten months. Oh, wow. And so it was really wonderful to be with them, to actually be, you know, to talking to a human face to face or mask to mask. Um, and they were they were lovely. They were lovely. There was no, they were super normal, I would say. Particularly, the story made it seem like fun. They were really fun. It, yeah. it, had, it had a very festive atmosphere, I would say. The interview happened maybe like two weeks before Christmas. And so it's in that moment, especially in LA, that you feel when the city's winding down, like the music industry is winding down. Everyone's ready to take a break. And so it was kind of, I think for a lot of people there, the last thing that they were doing before this break started. And so it was at this rented mansion in the hills and you could see the spires of, of Harry Potter world, you know, just across. Like, oh, at Universal in- Studios. Yeah, exactly. And so the whole thing had this sort of festive, surreal, um, you know, party atmosphere. We were playing music, there was food. It was, it was really nice. And they were all lovely. They were what, really personable. What music was being played, do you remember? It was... I don't have exact titles for you, artists, but it was a lot of like '60s soul music. Oh, like, yeah. Who, who do you do you know who picked that? Was that like the photographer picking that, or was it the Weekends team? 
I don't know who it was. I was like, they, what music does the weekend play during? Well, the shoot was mostly outside. They shot, you know, in on the patio and in the driveway, and the music was happening in the house. So it may have been he had two bodyguards there with him, and so I think they could have been involved in the music selection. Yes, and at one point it got so festive that we actually had to ask them to to quiet down because we couldn't hear each other for the interview. And, um, you know, the whole article, the basis of it is how this team kind of turned the weekend into one of the world's biggest pop stars. And part of that is that he's performing at the Super Bowl halftime show uh, this month. And um, so you spoke before Christmas. I'm wondering, did you get to follow up at all, like after they had started or had they already started rehearsals and all of that for the Super Bowl? I don't know that they had started rehearsals, but they were very deep in, I would say, six months into planning. And so, you know, Lamar uh, specifically was talking about how they had, you know, they are on Zooms all day and emails all day. And he, he, he was great in the story. If you read it, you know, he described it as a Rubik's Cube of problems. And, and, Lamar, and Lamar, to interrupt, Lamar is one of the, the team of managers that, that work with yeah, him. Yeah, Lamar is the weekend's creative director and also just his best friend from high school. You know, these guys oh, okay. are very close for a long time. Um, but he's, you know, of course, as they all are, but he's, you know, really taking the lead on conceptualizing the performance. And so, you know, if they obviously hadn't touched down in Tampa yet to do any rehearsals there. If they were doing rehearsals in LA, you know, they didn't mention it, but they were very, of course, deep into the planning and conceptualizing process. Yeah, it feels like um, this is just a huge, like, you know, tying a bow on this after hours era doing the Super Bowl performance. Are they looking at it or were they looking at it like, you know, this massive moment that it is to get him in front of this worldwide audience? Yeah, I do think that there's a level of both sort of gratification and opportunity in the Super Bowl and that obviously the tour was canceled because of COVID. And so he's able to sort of present himself and this album and sort of have this cherry on top moment um, for the tour that wasn't, you know, in the midst of this huge album. And then also there's, of course, the boost that artists get from doing the Super Bowl, which, you know, will presumably uh, turn ticket sales or, you know, boost ticket sales for the tour that has been rescheduled. Um, so I feel like for them, it's like a twofold opportunity. Um, when, so you did, so while you were there in December, you did talk about the Super Bowl performance to some extent, um, even though they hadn't actually like gotten to do any, like maybe live rehearsals in Florida. Did they, did he or the team reference any of like maybe Super Bowl halftime shows that they had like, I had like had their eye on from the past, like, oh, we'd like to take that and like take it a step further? Or did they even like get into, oh, we really like Michael Jackson's performance from a million years ago? Like, was that even part of the discussion? Not really. I think the only person that brought up past performances was me. Yeah. You know, how do you sort of meet the level of an icon like Prince or Springsteen? And um, I believe the conversation was with Lamar. And he said, you know, we certainly hold those two, like, you know, icons of icons, you know, up as the level that we're trying to meet or surpass. But there was a reference point for like, we're trying to do something like Beyonce or Bruno Mars. It's, you know, and, and, and reasonably so because they're doing it in a context that's completely different than anyone has ever done it in before because of COVID. Did, um, did they reference at the time, like, since this is like still part of the after hours cycle and the after hours sort of promotional rounds, is this gonna be an after hours focused show? Um, and we shouldn't expect familiar favorites and hit singles from the past? Or did you get any of that inkling from them? 
they were very tight-lipped about what to expect in terms of specifics. Um, Abel did say during the interview that, you know, when he was considering, um, you know, the offer and just sort of considering like, am I at the level of, of the artists that do this? His thought was, well, I can do, you know, 12 to 13 minutes of hits. I have the hits to fill that time. And so my assumption based on that comment is that he, it's going to span his career. Yeah. And I think also, you know, I don't want to, you know, point out clues that, that aren't actually clues, but if you look at the, the greatest hits package or the Super Bowl compilation that was released last week. Uh, yeah, uh, if, Highlights, know, which is coming highlights. out this weekend. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's certainly career spanning. So I don't think that we should anticipate something that's specifically after hours themed. I'm actually curious, because you were mentioning, um, you know, what a boost it could be to future ticket sales. Obviously, um, artists always see a boost to their music catalog, et cetera. And I, it feels like After Hours has been so consumed over this past year already that what we're really going to see spike would be some of those older hits, I would guess. Maybe, I guess maybe that's a question for Keith, do you think? Because you always uh, like look at all that um, after after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they're what the weekend and his label and his team are doing with releasing the highlights album, which is a, um, effectively a surveying of his greatest moments. You know, I, I don't think they want to call it a greatest hits album, but, um, it's effectively a greatest hits album to, to, to the average person. Um, and it comes out this weekend. It'll be a great way for people who maybe haven't connected the weekend himself to these other songs that they probably already knew were like, oh, that's him too. Like, maybe they didn't know that Earned It was the weekend. Right. Maybe they didn't know, like, oh, the Blinding Lights guy also did that Daft Punk song too with, yeah. oh, I didn't know that. And you can find them all in one place, which is the brilliance of a greatest hits album. So it'll be interesting to see if the impact is focused around the After Hours album or if it's the After Hours album and the Highlights album. Will both of those albums really benefit incredibly on the charts in the following yeah. week? Um, but I do, I do feel like there is going to be a huge number of people that did not necessarily know who The weekend was, that will know who he is after the Super Bowl. Despite the fact that we know he's an enormous artist, there are still tons and tons of people that don't know who The weekend is. And You're talking just- about my mom right now. My mom <laughs> will learn who The weekend is on Sunday. <laughs> that is how this will work. But she's probably heard Blinding Lights a couple times, but sure. maybe never knew that there's this guy named The weekend that does that song. Exactly. Yeah. Well, anyway. that's why he's doing the Super Bowl. <laughs> hey, good booking, Katie Bain. Good booking. <laughs> okay, I, I do have one question that um, I'm not expecting Katie to be divulging any secrets or anything, but um, everyone always wants to know like who the guests are going to be at the Super Bowl. And so it's more of a question for both Katie and Keith, like who maybe just choose one that you would love for him to come out, maybe a previous collaborator or somebody he hasn't uh, been with before. Just Do you have one, Keith? You look excited. <laughs> What if they, he got Daft Punk to show I up? I mean, that's what I was basically Get driving. the robots, my God. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants that. I'd also be fine with like Ariana. You can, Beyonce can show up again. Who cares? I mean, that'd be great. <laughs> that, those, that's just my immediate thought. He doesn't need collaborators, but if he did, and the robots, the, the Daft Punk guys, they're in their like protective PPT, whatever it is, gear. So they're good. They're all in uniform. <laughs> Anyway, maybe it'll it, just be maybe it'll just be the weekend's managers in the Daft Punk uh, outfits <laughs> on stage. <laughs> just yeah. joking. K- Katie Bain, what do you think? What, what guests are do you think might be on the horizon, or what would you like to see? Maybe 
I think that Daft Punk would be, of course, incredible. I think it's uh, perhaps a stretch. Um, but I think Ariana is a high likelihood. You know, they they included, um, you know, their collaboration on the the highlights package. I think, you know, like the way that I sort of understood that, and again, I'm guessing, but it's like, I think this is a pretty good indication of what we're gonna see uh, during the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so given that, like Ariana and maybe Kendrick. Oh, I would love all of that. Yeah. Has, yeah. has Ariana ever been on the Super Bowl stage? I don't think either of them have. So I think it would yeah. be like a really good, a fresh, you know, innovative, very modern sort of collective of people to show up. A very, you know, a very, a very young, youthful, you know, direction of the, for the halftime show in a way. Absolutely. And I think also certainly reflective of what Rock Nation is trying to do with the halftime show. Yeah. Um, I know there's not going to be a full crowd there, but there will be a crowd. Was that mentioned at all when you talked to him about like the lack of the in typically insane crowd at a Super Bowl? It sounded at the time, so this, again, this was December 11th that we spoke. And so it sounded like he wasn't totally clear on how many people were going to be there or if people were going to be there at all. You know, we know now we're going to have about 22,000. And so, you know, the stadium holds 65,000. So it's still going to be two thirds empty. And what he said during the interview is that, you know, their focus is really going to be on the fans at home. Um, and sort of making it the same cinematic experience that we've seen from him during all of his performances this year, particularly the AMAs and the VMAs. Um, and so, you know, I don't anticipate he's going to ignore the crowd that's there, um, but I think that it's really going to be a focus on us. Well, I cannot wait to see what it looks like. Um, and Katie, thank you so much for your Pop Shop debut. We look forward to having you on again sometime. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you so much to Katie for chatting with us. Um, as we said when we spoke with her, we share an office with Katie typically, so it's nice to just get in a Zoom and pretend like we're in the office again. <laughs> we, we miss her a lot. Yeah, I still actually have, um, when we moved out of the office last March, I took, I was the last person there and I was packing up everyone else's stuff that was still left. And Katie hadn't been in the office for a bit. And she still had her shawl that she always had on her chair. Oh. And so, and she also had something on the wall, like a framed something. So I was like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. I'll bring it home until we get back to the office and I'll give it back to you. <laughs> I still have like an article of her clothing and whatever was on her wall just in another room waiting. He he hangs it in the office and pretends Katie's there. <laughs> I'm just, just waft around with a shawl in the house like I'm Stevie Nicks. Um, all right. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Forty years ago this week, Blondie's The Tide is High reached number one on the Hot 100, marking the third of four number ones for the rock band. The single rose three to one on the list dated January 31st, 1981, and spent one week on top. Blondie made its Billboard chart debut in February of 1978 with the album Plastic Letters, and notched its first Hot 100 number one the next year with the disco pop track Heart of Glass. The next year, the group took the rock track Call Me 
from the movie American Gigolo to number one for four weeks. Then, in 1981, they topped the list with the reggae island-flavored The Tide is High and the hip-hop-inspired Rapture, featuring the band singer Debbie Harry doing a bit, or more than a bit, of rapping. Blondie broke up after the group's 1982 album The Hunter, with Harry going solo. Eventually, though, the band reunited in 1997 and reached the Hot 100 in 1999 with the single Maria, marking the act's first hit since 1982. The band most recently released the studio album Pollinator in 2017, which was a top 10 hit on Billboard's Alternative Albums chart. So there you have it. 40 years ago this week, Blondie's Tide was high on the Hot 100 (laughs) as the Tide is High hit number one. I made Katie giggle. That's good. Um, that's the end of our big uh, cleat, our big cleat shoe. shoe no. Nope. No. You wear cleats in football, right? Uh, yes, you do. That's okay. true. I was that's like, accurate. In the football, which I haven't touched nor played since high school. <laughs> you definitely do wear cleats. There are cleats I, involved. That I try to avoid at all costs any sport involving and any clothes had injuries <laughs> yes anything <laughs> yes oh, um God. okay so any parting words what, oh, you, man. What, what 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 song that is not blinding lights do you want to see the weekend perform on sunday Ooh. okay um i'm gonna go Starboy. yeah the, and the clean version of Starboy. I mean, I, I literally yes, but I, I we just said in our conversation like we want Daft Punk to show up, and if Daft Punk are going to show up, they got to do Starboy. He could also he could also just do it and not even have to have guest stars, you know. That's true. He, I mean, we've seen people stand alone. Gaga didn't have anybody up on stage with her, and she did a great job. Yeah, and like I mean, there there was a time when you know like U two and Paul McCartney and Springsteen and everyone didn't have guest stars. That only became yeah. a thing in sort of like the like in certain eras of time where that became like a thing. And maybe the Weekends team could be just like, uh, we don't need any guests. But I feel like the Weekends has been a pretty collaborative performer over his career. Therefore, you know, maybe an Ari or a Daft Punk or somebody would make sense. And maybe there's a brand new single he drops and performs on Sunday. Maybe it's up by Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> um and with that said what songs do we go out on Starboy. um all right see you guys next time bye I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.